Hi, welcome to Queen Mary's Legal Bites podcast on basics of non-fungible tokens, popularly known as NFTs. I'm Jyoti Karadi, studying LLM in Technology, Media and Telecoms Law at Queen Mary University of London. My classmate Sophie is going to join me in this podcast. Let me connect her. So please stay tuned. Ah, here she is. Hi Sophie, how are you? I heard that you've been busy creating digital art. You are so talented. Hi Jyoti, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I usually play around with colors and create digital arts when I'm free. What do you plan to do with it, Sophie? Any plan to convert your digital art into an NFT and sell it? Well, honestly, not really. For me, this is just a hobby. I have not thought about making money off it yet. Plus, I don't know much about NFTs. I mean, I know people sold his collage of images as NFTs for a whooping $69 million. So obviously, it's the creative. But I'm not sure how it works. Do you think I can make money off this? Why not? Anyone can sell digital art as NFTs on an NFT marketplace. Depending on the rarity, NFTs will fetch a great economic value. You must give it a try, Sophie. Okay, so explain it to me. What are NFTs technically? You see, Sophie, NFTs are use case of blockchain technology. Basically, an NFT is a unit of information that is tokenized and recorded on a blockchain platform. And it is traded freely on an NFT marketplace such as Rarity, OpenSea, etc. You'll be delighted to know that you can tokenize any content into an NFT. For example, you may sell your digital art, memorabilia, or even a tweet like what Jack Dorsey of Twitter did. That sounds complex. Okay, so there are NFTs and there is blockchain technology. Explain blockchain technology to me in simple terms. What does that mean? Well, let me connect you to a speaker, Mr. Peter Jedestrin, a blockchain developer based in Stockholm, Sweden. He's a co-founder of iDefendo that provides blockchain solutions to businesses. He'll be happy to answer questions on NFTs. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for joining us. Please meet my classmate, Sophie. She has an array of questions about blockchain and NFTs. So do I. Hi, uh, sure, Judy. Hi, Sophie. Um, how can I help you? Hi, Peter. First, could you please explain to me what blockchain technology is and how it's applied to NFTs? Yes, of course. In short, um, a blockchain is like a ledger where records of transactions are stored, but with a couple of very important differences. The ledger is uh, distributed, so everyone can have their own copy of it and you can't remove or change any of the contents that have been added to it. So that means that it functions as a log of transactions in the database and that anyone can verify that th- this transaction log has not been tampered with. So you can use blockchain for timestamping, banking, legal documentation or sale of NFTs and whatnot because every transaction is recorded and it's immutable and visible to all stakeholders. Uh, And and blockchain claims to address the challenges of uh, digital transactions. Hmm. Peter, when we think of blockchain, what comes to mind is cryptocurrency. What are they and how are they related to NFTs? Could you throw some light on that? 
Sure, Jyoti. Uh, and I agree with you on that. Uh, we we generally think that of uh, when we discuss blockchains are their use as a store for tokens that represent a value and tokens that often represent cryptocurrency coins such as Bitcoin. Uh, a cryptocurrency is a medium of exchange such as uh, the US dollar, but it is digital and uses encryption techniques to control the creation of monetary units and to verify the transfer of funds. And these tokens can also represent other values, for example, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Now, both NFTs and crypto are based on blockchain technology, utilizing similar innovation and standards. But the main difference is indicated basically in the name. Cryptocurrency is a currency. And like every other currency, it has only economic value and is fungible. That means that within a particular cryptocurrency, it doesn't matter which crypto token you have. It has the same value as the next one. So one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. But NFTs are non-fungible and they have a value that goes way beyond uh, economics. And non-fungible tokens are unique digital assets addressing certifiable things. For example, photographs, music, videos, or trading cards. An NFT is unique, is separating it from the the fungible tokens like cryptocurrencies that can be traded for each other. And most NFTs are part of the Ethereum blockchain. Ethereum is also a cryptocurrency just like Bitcoin, but its blockchain also supports uh, NFTs which store extra information that makes them work differently from, say, uh, Ether coin. It is also worth noting that other blockchain also can implement their own versions of NFTs. So let me rephrase this from my own understanding. In the context of NFTs, cryptocurrency is a currency used on blockchain platforms to trade NFTs. But who decides what cryptocurrency can be used? Well, uh, as I mentioned, you you need a marketplace to trade NFTs, and that marketplace is designed on a blockchain technology platform. So the owner of the marketplace decides which cryptocurrency and the equal value in local tender. And since most marketplaces are built using Ether blockchain, they are also traded using Ether coins where one Ether equals approximately $2,900. But what solar determines the price of Ethereum is, is of course, the market supply and demand for Ether tokens. And the most important factors that affect the supply and demand would be uh, media coverage plays a very large role in stimulating the demand. Uh, and also the price of Bitcoin affects pretty much the whole cryptocurrency market. So when Bitcoin is bullish, uh, it's it's very likely that other tokens like Ethereum also would be so. And of course, high transaction volumes increase the amount of transaction fees uh, on the Ethereum uh, blockchain. Interesting. What I gather from this conversation is that in an NFT ecosystem, broadly we have three players, an owner of digital art, a marketplace and a purchaser. Isn't that right, Peter? No, not really, Jyoti. There's also a fourth player. Uh, It's the minter who helps you create an NFT uh, that represents your value as artist to tokenize any set. 
So marketplaces are often mentors themselves, but however, as an artist, you, you may also do the job of, of minting. Um, when you mint an NFT, you create a web link to a document that contains metadata about the value it should represent. So if you have a piece of um, digital art or any other digital document, you are not really converting that document into an NFT as much as you're describing the document in such a way that it becomes indisputable which document you are referring to. Um, this is done uh, using um, through a process uh, called fingerprinting, where a mathematical uh, algorithm is used to create a string of letters and numbers that uniquely identifies the document. If you make the slightest change to the document, the fingerprint would no longer match. And that's also how you can prove that the document is really the value that the NFT uh, itself represents. So Peter, is it possible to mint more than one NFT for digital art? Yes, you can. But remember, the, the economic value of NFTs depends on their rarity. So can I create NFTs for any physical assets at all, like a painting or a car? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. Yeah. And the NFT in this case serves as the title document. Uh, and once an NFT representing a, a portrait uh, is sold, the seller has to ship the product to the purchaser. And since the NFT is, is present on the marketplace, the original owner would know who is the last purchaser. Uh, and this basically establishes authenticity of products owned by the purchaser. No wonder why retailers like Nike and Adidas have experimented with NFTs to sell their products. Peter, this brings me to my next question. Is an NFT underlying a digital art same as the digital art itself? Um, it, it may not be. Uh, it depends on the architecture of the NFTs. Um, to explain the architecture, uh, NFTs can be off-chain or on-chain. And in an on-chain architecture, the blockchain generally only stores the transaction receipts. So the actual content of the NFT is stored on a server outside of the blockchain. And this is mostly for technical reasons, since the blockchain database is replicated to all nodes in the network, the amount of data that would be uh, required to store that information would, would pretty quickly become too large. So technically and also economically, uh, it makes sense to store the digital content underlying NFTs on an external uh, server. And by contrast, in an off-chain environment, the digital character itself is the NFT. So for example, in a game of CryptoKitties, uh, a virtual kitty is an NFT. And characters may be used to breed or make even more NFTs. Interesting, interesting. So when an NFT is sold on a marketplace to a purchaser, Will the digital art continue to stay outside the digital environment in an on-chain model? What happens then? Uh, well, um, it will most often remain on the server where it was originally stored. Um, but you can, of course, download a copy of it, but your copy wouldn't, won't be worth more than any other copy. Uh, and the value lies in owning the NFT itself, and so that proves uh, that you also own the value it represents. Um, 
<clears throat> but you also have trade-offs. So the security of a blockchain network is often closely related to the number of nodes that make up the network. Uh, so a large network offers better security than a small one. But the larger network uh, it is, the more expensive it becomes to store data in. So storing the content outside blockchain makes simply more sense. Hey, that sounds risky. What if the server malfunctions or the market play deliberately or accidentally breaks the link between an NFT and the digital art on the server? Does it mean that I've lost my digital content? Well, uh, it depends on the coding and maintenance of servers. The marketplace has to make sure that the di digital art underlying NFTs are safely stored on the servers. So I would say choose your marketplace very wisely because you will rely on them for keeping your investment safe. So this means that regardless of the NFT architecture used, an NFT represents ownership of the underlying assets. Is that what that means? That's right, Sophie. But then the scope of ownership rights is defined by a marketplace contracts, uh, like what you can do or can't do with the NFT. So after minting, what's the next step to sell? If I want to sell my NFTs, how do I do that? Is my personal intervention required? Trading an NFT is commonly done using the same marketplace that minted the NFT. Um, and public marketplaces like uh, OpenSea.com let you mint, trade and store your NFTs and all allows the potential purchaser uh, to purchase the listed NFTs. Uh, the process of bid is coded by smart contracts within the NFT. So this means uh, to say that if the smart contract states that, for example, the highest bidder should be allowed to purchase the NFT, the highest bidder automatically gets the right to purchase once he makes the payment. So in response to your question, Sophie, your intervention is really not required in conducting a sale of an NFT. But likewise, the, the sale value is transferred to Sophie or the owner by the marketplace after deducting their commission. Uh, everything is automated and uh, no human intervention is, is really required. Uh, and because of smart contracts, the NFT trading happens seamlessly uh, with every transaction getting recorded. Uh, that's, that's pretty much the beauty of blockchain technology. I get that, Peter. The next thing I'm curious to know is will the owner of an NFT receive sale consideration in cryptocurrency or pounds? Ah, uh, the trade is made in whatever currency the marketplace uses. The seller can uh, then exchange the amount they received and remit it to, to you in the same currency. Well, is it legal to buy a cryptocurrency? Because I know some countries like China, Iraq, Egypt have banned it. So is that legal? Hey, Sophie, do you also know that El Salvador recently adopted Bitcoin as a legal tender? Oh, uh, you see, uh, different countries have adopted different approaches. So it's, it's pretty much impossible to answer that question in a definite way. Uh, more than if it is legal, only then you can deal with cryptocurrencies. And I know some countries are silent on the legality of uh, cryptocurrency as well. Yes, for example, the Financial Conduct Authority, the financial regulator of UK, has been notifying consumers repeatedly that it does not regulate cryptocurrency, but it has not expressly banned it. This means that it's up 
to the consumers to take risk when they deal with cryptocurrency in the UK. That's interesting. So if I've earned a certain number of cryptocurrencies, can I use them on another marketplace to buy NFTs? Uh, the marketplace is interoperable in this regard. Um, cryptocurrency on one marketplace cannot be used on another marketplace unless the technology permits it. So marketplace interoperability is the term used to describe different proposed methods to solve just that problem. But it's still very much in an emerging field without any set standards or, or, or very much of best practices yet. From what I've understood so far is that blockchain technology enables transparency of transactions. So can I infer that I can access all details of my NFT purchases on the marketplace at my discretion? Well, um, the answer is no, since the de details of a purchaser are in alphanumeric format and are not really readable for a layman, but you can always get the details from your marketplace. So there should be no problem then. If NFTs are known for transparency, why is it that there is a concern of anonymity about them? Well, uh, Jyoti, uh, that has nothing to do with NFTs. It's more of a governance issue. Um, crypto transactions are, in fact, much less anonymous than people tend to think they are. They might be anonymous to you, but they're often not uh, to entities that, that can compel marketplaces to, to divulge that information, where they, whether they do that by legal means or by illegal threats. So. Can we do KYC on purchases then? Because for me, that's most compliant or most important from a legal compliance point of view. Mm -hmm. I, I would imagine that a thing, uh, KYC on purchases, would have to be implemented by the marketplace that broker the trades. Um, I don't think they would want to do that, but if regulation requires them to, uh, it shouldn't be hard from a technical perspective. In fact, it, you can build in all declarations, all declarations from purchasers, such as source of income, legal declarations, etc., in the smart code that executes the sale of NFTs. Is the blockchain platform free from cyber attacks, Peter? Well, the, the security of public blockchains, like the ones used by cryptocurrencies and NFTs often rely on the network of, uh, of nodes being sufficiently large. So a large network would require a hacker to control a very large number of nodes. And that's both complicated and expensive and generally makes hacking not worth the effort. But usually the blockchain only stores the receipts of the transactions, the hashes. Uh, so all the digital content and personal information is usually stored outside of the the, the marketplace environment and is, is much more vulnerable, vulnerable to, to cyber attacks. Is it possible to build in privacy features on a blockchain network then? The personal information of the customers or purchasers is generally not stored in the blockchain platform. Uh, it, it's more in the marketplace and it's only the hashes of that information that is stored in the blockchain. So blockchains render much uh, such modifications of data uh, intentionally difficult in order to ensure data integrity and to increase trust uh, in the network. Um, the personal information is stored on external servers uh, and, and they're 
the operator or owner of the marketplace has to comply with the data protection laws as may be uh, applicable to any digital transaction. So Peter, do you see any threats or deficiencies uh, of blockchain network that can be disadvantageous to NFT growth? Mm -hmm. Uh, The threats I can see are mostly non-technical. There are some pretty far-fetched technical threats as well, such as quantum computing, making fingerprints used in blockchain unreadable or unreliable. But in the near term, I would say that changing regulations is a more credible threat. Uh, Let's say that if uh, cryptocurrencies and the values stored in NFTs start impacting tax revenues of states, uh, then I would imagine we would see regulations or bans pretty quickly. Um, But that's not an issue with the technology itself, but it impacts the value of what you own just the same. Um, Because if you can't legally trade something you own, it basically becomes worthless. This conversation is so useful, Peter. Now I'm excited to launch my own NFTs, but I still have more questions, especially about the management of my copyrights in the work. Do I assign my rights? So do I license my rights to get perpetual royalty? What happens? All are valid concerns, Sophie. I must say that. We will talk about them in our next episode. I plan to invite IP experts to demystify IP issues concerning NFTs. That sounds so exciting. I can't wait to meet our next speakers. But in this episode, I'm glad that you understood the basics of NFTs and cryptocurrencies and the different types of architecture, plus the role of smart contracts in NFTs and overall the working of the NFT ecosystem. So thank you so much, Peter, for being here and for answering our questions. Oh, I'm so glad it was helpful to you. And I hope the listeners too found it very useful and interesting. And thank you for the opportunity. Bye. Thank you, Peter, for lending your valuable time and sharing your knowledge with us today. Listeners, many thanks for listening to this podcast. Tune in next month for another fascinating episode on IP issues surrounding NFTs. Thank you. Bye-bye.